Praise the Lord. If you have a Bible, you may be seated. Go ahead and find in your Bible Psalm 78 and Matthew chapter 6. Psalm 78 and Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be reading a few words out of this psalm, a rather lengthy psalm, but it is a good summary of the trial and the journey of the nation of Israel through the wilderness. And in the midst of their wilderness wanderings, they found themselves in need of and uh, hungry. And rather than acting in faith, they acted in unbelief. And so I want you to read the words uh, uh, and the question that they asked. And then we're going to go to Matthew chapter 6 tonight and read the words of the Lord's Prayer. Psalm 78, verse 19. Then they spoke against God, and they said, Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Behold, he struck the rock so that the waters gushed out, and streams were overflowing. Can he give us bread also? Will he provide meat for his people? Therefore the Lord heard and was full of wrath, and a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger was mounted against Israel, because they did not believe in God. And did not trust in his salvation. Yet he commanded the cloud above and opened the doors of heaven. And he rained down manna upon them to eat. And he gave them food from heaven. And man did eat the bread of angels. And he set them food in abundance. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 6. And we'll begin reading at verse 9. Pray then in this way, these are the words of Jesus, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Father, we thank you tonight for the word of life. We pray that you would speak to each individual heart and need by the power of your spirit. Now, I pray that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. And we ask that in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. I want to use a, as a subject tonight. This phrase in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. I want us to explore that in just a minute as we talk about God's invitation to pray for the meeting of our daily needs. But first of all, I want you to look at the contrast between Psalm 78 and the Lord's Prayer. Psalm 78 is a, a statement uh, about the nation of Israel in the wilderness, and this is prior to them coming into the promised land. This is when they had come out of Egypt and were going to spend 40 years in the wilderness. By contrast, Matthew chapter 6 is uh, a teaching on prayer given to the people of God who have by faith entered into the promised land, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll notice there is a great contrast in the petitions that are made. 
In Psalm 78, we ask, we ask or we hear them ask this question: Can God, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? And then they ask, Can God uh, give us bread also? I want you to think about that by contrast to Saul, uh, to Matthew chapter six, because in Matthew chapter six there is no can God. There is a an invitation for the believer to ask God for the things that he needs, to give us this day our daily bread. And I want you to notice that because there's a great difference between the slave and those who have become sons of God. Uh, the nation of Israel in the wilderness was a nation of slaves. They were people that came out of Egyptian bondage under Egyptian um, the Egyptian yoke for 400 years, and so... Uh, a slave, in order to obtain what he wants or needs, uh, does not know how to ask. Instead, they know how to complain. Complaining is the way that a slave would get things provided for. And yet, when you look at uh, Matthew chapter 6, you're looking at a son, and a son does not complain. Say amen, somebody. A son asks. So the great difference there for us tonight is so that we can ask ourselves the question whether in our spirit we are cultivating the attitude of a son or the attitude of a slave. That's the question for us tonight, and it's going to be the question that you have to ask yourself all throughout your spiritual life to maintain the position of a, ser of a, of a son before God rather than uh, go backwards into the position of a slave. It's very easy to get into the slave mentality. It's very easy to get into slave thinking. And we, uh, I shared with you on Sunday morning about the prodigal son. You remember the story of the two sons. Uh, one of them left his father's house and he went into the world and spent his inheritance. And while he was out there, having spent everything, he said to himself, there is in my father's house food enough and to spare. He said, even the slaves in my father's house eat better than I'm eating right now. Now, the other son, the son that stayed home, he had a different mentality. And he said to his father, all of my life I have been with you, and you have never given me so much as a small goat to uh, make merry with my friends. Now, which of those two boys was acting in the attitude of a son, and which of them was acting in the attitude of a slave. The boy that stayed home, although he was in the father's house, he was at home, yet he was not experiencing the blessing of being in the father's house, and he had cultivated a mentality that said that it's not for me, I cannot enjoy the blessings and the benefits of my father. Whereas the boy who had rebelled... In his heart of hearts, he knew my father is a good father and he is able to supply in, in abundance for those things that are needed. And those things uh, are in abundance even for his hired servants. So he was basically thinking like this. If my father's slaves or servants eat well, in other words, if his employees eat well, then his sons I've got to eat better. Say amen, somebody. And so he came to the realization, I've got to go back to the Father's house. Tonight I want you to think seriously about this question. 
Are you cultivating in your heart the spirit of a son that says, Father, give me this day my daily bread? The spirit of a son that says, God, I know you're a God of abundance, a God of provision, and a God who has an eternal supply. Or have you begun to pray like a slave? Or have you begun to think like a slave? Or have you kept over an old mentality, the mentality of a slave, that has allowed you to think that there's not enough from God for you? The nation of Israel asked these two questions. Can God, and they said, can God provide a table in the wilderness, and can God give us bread? Now, I want you to notice how God reacted and responded to this need, all right, because this is important. The Bible says, they said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? These people are out in the desert. There are two million of them, and they're basically asking, is God able to provide for our basic daily needs? And can he provide bread for his people? Now, notice God's response. What does verse 21 say? It says, therefore the Lord heard and was full of what? Full of wrath. Say, God is displeased by unbelief. Do you know the only way to please God is faith? The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. And so if you want to displease God, the best way, the fastest way to do it is to not believe him. And that's what the nation of Israel did. They did not believe God. And the consequence of that would be that these people would die in the wilderness. They would die without having obtained the promised land which was given to them by inheritance. Because they would not believe God. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that this people did not enter the promised land because they did not mix what they knew with faith. They did not take what they knew about God and mix it with faith toward God. The consequence was that they died in the wilderness. Tonight, I want you to mix what you know with faith. Say amen, somebody. How many of you know some things about God? You see, you're, you're a well-educated church, all right? You come this, to Sunday night, or uh, you come to Wednesday night Bible study. You, you study the Word of God. We hear the Word preached. We hear the Word taught in a, in, a, um, in a consistent way. And those of you who are getting a consistent diet of the Word are uh, far better off than those who are not. But the essential thing is not just to know. The essential thing is to mix what you know with faith. This people knew a lot about God. Now let's just think about what the wilderness uh, generation knew about God. They knew that God could part the Red Sea and bring them over into um, the wilderness out of Egypt on dry ground. And they saw God do that. They also knew that God could provide a cloud to cover them by day so that when they're traveling through the wilderness, they were not scorched by the sun because they had a cloud covering them all of the time. Can you imagine that? That's air conditioning, all right? The very first air conditioning system. The cloud uh, would follow them. And then at night when it gets cold in the wilderness, what did God do? He sent a cloud of fire, a pillar of fire to cover them by night to keep them warm in the wilderness. So what did they know about God? I don't think any generation in all of the Bible, and up until now, 
has ever had so much evidence for the existence and trustworthiness of God than this generation. They saw those amazing signs and wonders. On top of that, they saw God break the back of Pharaoh by sending ten plagues and ten judgments into the land. So this people could not say, we don't know. They could not say, we've never seen God do anything. We don't know if God is able. Now, I'm telling you this because you are just like them in that you and I cannot say that we don't know. Say amen, somebody. We cannot say that we don't know if God can or if we don't know if God is able because how many of you do know that God can? I don't mean you hope God can. I mean you know that God can because you have seen him can. Say amen, somebody. You've seen him show up in your life. If you've seen God show up in your life, shout amen. amen. So you see, we can never say, I don't know if God can do this. We already experienced too much. We've already gone too far. You know, one day on an Easter Sunday, I was sitting in church. Not sitting, I was standing back in the time. Uh, we had the pastor's chair up here on the stage and uh, I'm sitting in the resurrection service, and the devil, uh, or, or some, somebody he worked, that worked for him, came and whispered in my ear. While I was in the resurrection Sunday service, this was the word I heard in my ear. What if Jesus did not rise from the dead? Think about that. Easter Sunday, the devil has no respect for anybody, even on Easter Sunday, he'll tell the pastor in his ear, what if Jesus did not rise from the dead? What do you think I did? Started buckling in my knees. Oh my goodness, what if? No, I said, devil, you showed up too late for that. Because I already know that Jesus rose from the dead. Because I spoke to him this morning. And because I have a relationship with him. And I walk with God. And I know God. And I can hear God. And I just went on in the worship service. Because how many of you know it's too late to look back and say, what if? Say amen, somebody. You've already seen too much. But it's not just what you've seen. It's important to mix what you know with faith. And it's important to mix what you know with faith every day. You know, it's easy to walk in faith on Monday and lose your faith on Tuesday. You ever experienced that? You have to stay in faith. You have to walk in faith. That means you, you mix what you know with faith every day. I believed God yesterday. I'm going to believe God today. This people displeased the Lord. It says, therefore the Lord heard and was full of wrath. I want you to notice this other thing there. It says the Lord heard. Say God hears. You know that God hears every statement you and I make. Scary. That's scary. That ought to make your knees buckle. The Bible says we will give an answer for every idle word. Now think about this. God heard them asking whether he could. God heard their unbelieving conversation. God heard their lack of faith. Now listen, if God's going to hear everything we say, he might as well hear us say God can. Say amen somebody. In other words, if you're going to talk about anything, you might as well talk about what God can do. 
God heard them. In, in the book of Malachi, there's another occasion where the Bible says that God heard. It says that the, that the Lord heard the conversation between the righteous. And when he heard their conversation, it was a conversation about him. And he answered the, the prayer in the conversation. They weren't praying. They were just talking about what God could do. And while they were talking about what God could do, God heard them, and he accepted what they were talking about as a prayer, and he answered them. So I want to encourage you to have some conversations with people that believe God. Say amen, somebody. Some people that believe that God can, and you need to have this conversation with yourself. All right? You say, Pastor, I don't talk to myself. Well, you need to. All right? You need to tell yourself, self, we're going to believe God. We're not going to walk in fear. We're not going to walk in anxiety. We're not going to walk in worry. I'm going to believe God. And God will hear you. And he's, going to, he's going to hear your prayer. and He's going to hear your faith. He heard their unbelief. He was full of wrath. And his fire was kindled against Jacob. And his anger was mounted against Israel. Because what? They did not believe in God. Do you know they said this while they were sitting in air conditioning in the desert? While they were sitting under the fire by night, they said, can God? Now we understand why the Lord allowed them to die in the wilderness. Because they did not believe God. The next part of verse 22, it says what? And they did not trust in his salvation. God wants you to believe him and he wants you to trust him. Say amen somebody. Somebody say this with me. I believe God. Say I trust God. Do you believe God tonight? Do you trust him? The nation of Israel did not believe God and they did not trust his salvation. They didn't trust his ability to secure them. Because that's what salvation is talking about. Salvation means to be secure, to be safe. And when you and I walk with God, we're secure. The safest place to be is with God. The safest place to be is in obedience to God, walking in the will of God, and that can be in the middle of, of a storm. You can be in the very center of the worst storm of your life but if you're with God you're safe and yet you can be sitting on the beach sipping uh, sweet tea and enjoying the waves crashing in and be as far from God as as you can be and you're not safe there for a minute the safest place to be the only place to be safe is in the presence of God they did not trust God's ability to secure them. This is one of the things God wants uh, you to have tonight and has been uh, putting this in my heart for you uh, this week is to trust in the fact that you are secure in him. Listen, we sang about it tonight. It is well with my soul. That is a statement of security. I'm secure. There's nothing that could happen to me. That could make me insecure about who God is and what God can do. You know what Jesus said? He said this amazing 
statement in, uh, in the Gospels. He said, uh, no one will be able to harm you. And then he said, even if they cut your head off, they'll not be able to harm you. Wait a minute. Lord, what, what are you talking about here? He said, not one hair on your head will be touched. And you think, Lord, what does that mean? If I get my head cut off, they're not going to uncomb my hair. I don't like this. Well, Jesus is saying, he was saying, even if you are executed for the gospel, no one can touch you. Because, because you are secure in God. That's how safe we are. We're safe now and we're safe for eternity if we're in Christ. Israel did not trust the Lord and his salvation yet. Somebody say yet. I want you to thank God for the yet. How many of you know you don't deserve half the stuff you've gotten from the Lord? Yet. You see, if, if, if receiving from God was about earning it, none of us would ever receive. The scripture says, yet the Lord. And we just have to think about that because God is a God of grace. He's a God of the yet. You don't deserve it, yet I'm going to bless you. You don't deserve it, yet I'm going to help you. You didn't seek me, yet I'm going to let myself be found by you. This is the God of the Bible. This is the God that we serve. Say amen, somebody. Because everyone here is here because of God's yet. Because God overlooked our faults and our failures and our sin and our shame and our guilt. And he said, I'm going to do something in you. I'm going to show you my grace. I'm going to show you my favor. It says, yet the Lord commanded a cloud above. And he opened the doors of heaven. And he rained down manna upon them to eat, and he gave them food from heaven. So they ate the bread of angels. Think about that. All of that is after the yet. All of that is grace. What did grace do? Grace brought a cloud above them. Grace opened the doors of heaven. Grace allowed manna to come down on them so that they could eat. Grace gave them food from heaven. Grace gave them bread of angels and food in abundance. You and I tonight are the recipients of God's unmerited favor. We are the recipients of God's amazing grace. What is grace? Grace is when we receive what we did not earn. What we do not deserve, that is the grace of God. Now you just look over your life and tell me whether you are not the product of grace. Whether you are not the product of God's unearned and unmerited favor toward you. Listen friends, this is an important thing for us to always keep in mind. Because the slave thinks I have to earn it. I have to earn it. I have to merit this and so when you try to bless a slave they say no no not me I don't deserve it friends a son realizes none of this is because I've earned it all of this is because I have a relationship with the father and that relationship is the grace of God 
That relationship is what has caused a cloud to be opened up above us. That is God's protection. Verse 23, an open door to heaven. That is God's provision. Manna from the, uh, for them to eat. That is God's food. The food of heaven. The, the things, listen, the things that we had no share in. We had no participation in. We were not entitled to. And yet, look at us. We are eating and we are enjoying what was not even part of the plan for us. The Gentiles had no share in the promises of Abraham, in the promises of God to Abraham. Yet, look at us. We sit and we enjoy the blessing of Abraham because we've received what we were not entitled to, but grace has qualified us. Say amen, somebody. Grace has made us entitled. It's made us sons and daughters of God. All of this by grace. Say it's all grace. Now before I move on from that, I just want to ask you this question. Why grace? Why does it have to be by grace? The, the New Testament explains to us why it says we are saved by grace through faith. And that not of ourselves so that no one can boast. You see, if you earn it, then you'll take the credit. If I earn it, I'll say, look what I did. But because it's by grace, the only one that can get the credit is God. The only one that can get the glory is God. Therefore, what we have, we have received by grace so that nobody can boast in God's presence. When we get to heaven... We will all be singing about the amazing grace of God. We'll all be talking about the unmerited favor of God upon our life. And so this week, I want you to walk in, the, in your life, walk in your daily routine, expecting to experience the grace of God because it has been poured out upon you abundantly. It has been poured out upon you grace upon grace. And that provision is something that God has made available to you so that he gets the glory out of your life. So that the songs you sing are about him. So that the testimony you tell is about him. So that the glorious a story that you give to your children will be about how God did this ex extraordinary and incredible thing in your life. Say amen, somebody. And he set before them food in abundance. I want you to... Set that in your mind because that is God's grace available even to a slave nation. To people that didn't deserve it. A people that didn't have any share in that, uh, in that blessing because of their unbelief. And if there's any hint of unbelief in your mind where you say, can God do this? Can God prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies? I want you to, to say, Lord, I don't want to walk in a slave spirit. I don't want to walk in a slave mind. I want to have the mind of a son. I want to walk in the mind and in the faith of one who believes God. So what does that look like? Well, Jesus taught us how to pray like sons. What did he do? He said, when you pray, pray like this. Our what? Our what? What, what does that mean? That means we are sons. He didn't say when you pray, say master, boss, creator, big man. 
What did he say? When you pray, you say, our Father. Why? Because you are a son. You're a child of God. If you're a child of God, say amen. Cuando usted ora, usted ora y dice, Padre nuestro. No dice, Maestro. No dice, ni a un Señor. Dice, Padre. ¿Por qué? Porque es hijo. Y el hijo está... Uh, titulado a poder a llegarse al Padre. The, the son is entitled to come before the Father and ask. And I want to focus on what Jesus says here in contrast to Psalm 78. He says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. So I want to talk about asking God for daily bread tonight. Are you ready? Are there any sons in here? Now, if you are a son, then you're not going to say, can God anymore. All right, I want you to look into the, into the dictionary of your mind and erase can God. Say amen, somebody. Because we're not going to talk about can God set a table in the wilderness. We know God can set a table in the wilderness. We're not going to talk about can God provide bread. We know God can provide bread. How God will do it and, and his way is up to him. But as to how, whether or not he can, that needs to be eliminated from our mindset and from our vocabulary. Here's a few thoughts I want you to uh, take to mind. Number one. Jesus taught us to pray for our basic needs. God is interested in meeting your daily needs, your basic needs. Say, it's basic. God is not just concerned about the big stuff. A father is not just concerned about the vacation next summer. He's also concerned about making sure you have lunch money tomorrow. And your father cares about your basic needs. So you never need to wonder, can God or does God care about the simple things, the small things in my life? God is concerned about the very details of your life, and he wants to make provision. In fact, he has made provision for those things. Matthew 6, 7 says he knows what you need before you ask. God already knows what you need before you ask, he is, he is already aware of the very basic things that you need. Dice Mateo 6, 17, que Dios conoce lo que necesitas antes que le pidas. A Dios le interesa los detalles mínimos y pequeños de tu vida. Por eso Jesús nos dice, cuando oremos, oramos, danos este día el pan de este día. God wants us to rely on him for our basic needs. Dios quiere que, que confiemos en él para nuestros, nuestras necesidades pequeñas. When you and I ask God for our daily bread, we're demonstrating a, a daily reliance upon God. We're saying, God, I don't just need you when I need a big thing, a big miracle. You know, there's a lot of people who only look after God when they need a big thing. 
They think God will handle the big stuff. I'll handle the small stuff. Listen, if you only trust God for the big stuff, you're going to find out you don't even have the small stuff. God wants a daily dependence upon him for everything. That's why we pray over our food. How many of you pray over your food? That's good. That's a good church. I know some of you are, are pre-chip, but still. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I always, I always ask people, are you pre-chip or post-chip? They don't know what I'm talking about. I said, do you pray before the chips or after the chips? It's hard when you're sitting with post-chip people because you're trying to pray before the chips and they're already eating the chips. So all you post-chippers, all right, you have an altar call after church. <laughs> Why do we pray for our meal? Because we acknowledge this came from God. If it's a tortilla and butter, this came from God. And if it's a Steak, this came from God. Come on, somebody. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Jesus is teaching us to pray for our basic needs. Listen to what the Bible says. If God will be with me, pardon, it says that if, if God dresses the lilies, those the flowers in the field, then he will also dress you. And if a sparrow can't fall from the sky without his, without his notice, without his, uh, his concern, then you and I are much greater than sparrows. We're seeing there the, the concern of a God who is concerned about the details of our life. Second thing I want you to go to take with you is that Jesus teaches us to pray specifically. Not just do we pray for our basic needs, but we pray with specificity. We're praying to who? To the Father. When? Today. For what? Bread. There is a specific way that you and I need to approach God in prayer. And Jesus teaches us to pray. So in the morning, don't just say, as you've heard me say many times, don't just say, Lord, bless me. You know, there are 8,000 promises in the Bible. Pick one or two of them, all right? Start your day with a specific prayer. Lord, bless my finances today. Give me good health today. Send me favor today. Send me help from above today. Whatever the need is, be specific, and God will give you the answer to your prayer. Listen, I have had so many occasions where I'm trying to solve a problem or unscramble an egg. You ever had a problem like that or you just can't get you can't get it solved, and then you decide to pray about it, right? You say, Lord, I need an answer, and the answer comes just like that. You say, I should have prayed four hours ago, and then I would have saved myself all the grief and all the trouble. Say amen, somebody. God wants us to pray specifically. Say, Lord, I need an answer about this today. And when you and I learn to pray in that way, what happens is when God answers we're in awe. I said, oh, my goodness, God did that. You know, it scares me that God listens to me. 
he actually heard me. And not only did he hear me, but he answered me. And it brings you reverence and fear of God. When you see God do those things, it leaves you in awe of God. And the, out, the outcome of that is worship. It is for our good, but for his glory. And that's why he wants us to pray specific prayers. Third thing I want you to take with you tonight is that you must pray in faith. You must pray believing prayers. Not, oh God, can you? But give us this day our daily bread. The prayer already has baked into it full and complete confidence in God. Give me this day my daily bread means I already know you have what I need. I'm not asking you for something that you have to go find, that you have to go get. You already have what I need. Give me this day my daily bread. It's saying, God, I have confidence in the fact that not only do you have it, but you want to give it to me. This is a prayer full of faith. If you believe that God hears prayer, then you and I, when we pray, we're acting just by prayer. We're acting in faith. We're saying, God, I believe you hear me. I'm not just talking to the wind. Isn't prayer a mystery? You talk to, to someone you can't see about things you can't change in a time often it's too late to do anything about it. And then, yet, there's that yet again. He answers. He does the thing. And you, you look at God and you say, this had to be God. You are acting in faith by, very, by the very nature of prayer. And not only do we believe that God hears prayer, but we believe that he answers. Say amen if you believe that, he's that he answers. So God is inviting us here to come to him as sons. And he's inviting us here to expect the answer to our prayers. I expect God to intervene in my life. That's why I pray. Because I expect God to intervene in my life. I expect God to meet my needs. Now, I'm going to give you an example, a very real, modern-day example of this, all right? Years ago, before I became the pastor of Kingsway Church, I had a dream that I was the pastor of a church, and that church had a black grand piano, all right? So when I was invited to uh, preach in churches where they were looking for a pastor, I went to a couple places. One of them had a black grand piano. I thought, that's, that's probably going to be the church, all right? But it's a good thing. That I don't, I'm not led by dreams. I'm led by the voice of God. Say amen, somebody. Because we didn't have a black grand piano here. So when I came here, I said, well, that dream was a bust. I don't know what that was about. All right, you always judge your experience by the word of God and not the word of God by your experience. Say amen, somebody. God does speak through dreams, but you want to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit more than a dream. Because sometimes a dream could just be you ate too much bad pizza. Too much pepperoni. All right, so you got to be careful with dreams. Well, fast forward eight, seven years or so, and now I'm preparing to get married. And I said, Lord, I want a grand piano for the wedding. That's all I said. Didn't 
I didn't go into prayer and fasting about it. I didn't go into intense pleading. I just said, Lord, I want a grand piano for the wedding. Well, I get a phone call. I'm at a funeral one morning in uh, Austin. I get a phone call during the funeral procession. I answer the phone, and my brother Josh says, Pastor, do we want a black grand piano? What do you mean, do we want a black grand piano? Yes, load it up, bring it home, whatever you got to do. And by the end of the day, we, and it's sitting behind that wall there, Kingsway Church has a black grand piano. Come on, somebody. And it's going to the wedding. Give us this day our daily bread. So God not only provided what I asked for, but he also fulfilled a dream. And he also gave us a testimony of his power. You know, they told us that piano is probably worth $14,000. Well, if I gave you $14,000, you'd be jumping up and down tonight. <laughs> Come on, somebody. God wants you to pray specific prayers and to expect God to intervene. So that when you pray, you stop to look around for the answer. Where is the, the response from God to my prayer? God wants you to trust him, to believe him, and when you pray, to pray in faith. Say, pray in faith. Now, fourth thing here I want you to see is that God wants to provide daily bread. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave this unfinished till next week because I want to get into what this bread is. You see, this bread that we're talking about tonight is not just your tacos in the morning or your donut. But this bread, I'll just list them for you quickly and we'll go through them next week. This bread is healing for your body. Matthew 15, 22 through 29 teaches us that Bread, or pardon, that healing is the bread of God's children. This bread is victory over your enemies. Numbers 14, 9 teaches us that our enemies will be bread for us. This bread is the bread of family reconciliation. Genesis 43, 31. This bread is the bread of restoration. This bread is a table in the wilderness. It's a, it's a table in un or impossible circumstances or situations. How many of you are, have been through or are going through a wilderness? This bread is for the wilderness. It's God's table in the midst of your or in the presence of your enemies. Psalm 23. This, is bread, this bread is the spiritual salvation of lost and prodigal sons. Amen, somebody. Luke chapter 15, and then this bread is the bread of a new covenant. All of that is in Jesus' invitation to pray. So we're not just praying for tacos in the morning. We're not just praying for chips. We're praying for healing. We're praying for restoration. We're praying for the deliverance from our enemies. We're praying for the manifestation of God's 
table in the midst of the hardest seasons of life. We're praying to walk in the new covenant blessings that Jesus made available through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is God's plan. This is God's invitation for you tonight. When he says, pray like this, give us this day our daily bread, he wants you to experience his divine provision, the provision of daily bread. Listen to what missionary Hudson Taylor said in his journal. Hudson Taylor was one of the persons who organized Chinese missionaries during or prior to the revolution in China. He said, our heavenly father is very experienced. He knows very well that his children wake up with a good appetite every morning. How many of you wake up with an appetite? Well, God knows that. Just like your mama and your daddy provide or provided for you as a child, God knows that. He says he sustained three million Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. God sustained three million Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. We do not expect that God will send three million missionaries to China, but if he did, we would have ample means, pardon, he would have ample means to sustain them all Depend on it. God's work done God's way will never lack God's supply. I want to read that again. God's work done God's way will never lack God's supply. One of my favorite stories is about the faith missionary George Mueller. And you guys may have heard me tell this before. But George Mueller was a faith missionary, which means that he did not believe in asking for money from people. When I was an evangelist for eight years, I was a faith evangelist. I mean, I never asked for money. If I had a need, and if George Mueller had a need, the way a faith missionary works is they ask God. And God provides for the need. So there were no support letters. There were no offerings and on Sunday morning and so on. And one day, George Mueller, was a, he ran an orphanage in London, and one day he had a hundred orphans in his care. And think about feeding a hundred orphans three times a day. Well, that day, there was no food in the pantries to feed the orphans. And the end of the day came. It was time for dinner. And George Mueller said, Everybody have, it, have your seat. We're going to give thanks. And I'm sure his staff was thinking, thanks for what? There's nothing to feed them. We don't have any food. He had all the children, as they did every day, fold their hands in prayer, bow their heads, and he said, Father, I thank you because you always meet our needs. And he tells in his journal that before he had finished praying, there was a knock at the door. They opened the door, and it was the baker. He said, Brother Mueller, I baked too much bread today. It didn't sell. I decided to bring it over for the orphans. So they brought the bread in. The baker left. There was another knock at the door. This time it was the milkman. He said, Brother Mueller, my milk truck got stuck in the mud, 
And if we don't drink this milk tonight, it's going to spoil. So I brought the milk for the children. The milkman left. There was a third knock at the door. This time it was the butcher. He said, Brother Mueller, while I was closing up the shop tonight, the Holy Spirit told me to bring you some meat for the orphans. They brought in the meat, and that night they ate the bread of angels. They met, they, they, they ate the food of heaven. Because God is able to set a table in the wilderness. God is not shorthanded, friends. Tonight, you don't have to say, can God. Tonight, you can trust him and be secure. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. Can you say amen? amen? Let's stand together. Let's just lift our hands to heaven. And let's ask boldly tonight, whatever it is you need, daily bread or some great miracle, it's all the same to God. You're not a slave. You're a son. So tonight, go boldly and just say, Father God, I trust you. I have confidence in you. I know that you are able. I just ask in faith. Ask specifically. He already knows what you need, but he's glorified by your prayers. He's glorified by your confidence. Tonight the bread is healing for your body. Tonight the bread is restoration for your marriage and your home. Tonight, the bread is the salvation of your lost son and daughter. Tonight, the bread is new covenant blessing. Give us this day our daily bread. Oh God, we, we boldly pray in this way because you already have what we need. The storehouses of heaven are open. They are full. We pray tonight that you would open the heavens, that you would send a cloud, that you would allow us to eat the bread of angels, that you would allow us to eat the bread of heaven, that you would allow us to see the manifold blessings of God, that the glory and the praise will be of Christ and not of man. We say, oh God, as we sang before, it is well with our soul. We are secure in God. We are confident in God. We mix our our knowledge of you tonight. We mix our experience of you tonight. Our testimony of you. We mix it with faith. We believe you. We trust you. We depend upon you. We will not lean upon what we know. But we will trust in the God whom we have seen. And the God who we know is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we could ask or even imagine.